Coming to you from Riverside Avenue in Gregorian, Unexian, Minneapolis, this is Nice Game Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Martha McGarry, and I make nice games. I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. For this week's episode, our topics are calendar math and calendar math? Who approved these topics? And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. Why do we have the same topic twice? Um, What's going on? (laughs) Very important reasons. Yes. Which we'll get to. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Listeners have heard us complain about calendar math, uh, usually in the form of calendar math (laughs) for uh, a long time. And now we're going to do something with it. Yes. Yeah. We're going to do two somethings with it. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. And you leave for like one weekend and everything changes. Um, before we start, I wanted to talk about uh, something that's a little heavy. Uh, I uh, was um, my my former boss, Mr. Fetty, passed away a couple weeks ago, and I just wanted to mention that um, he was very influential in my life. He was very uh, valuable to me. He was a he was a mentor, and like he allowed me really, he allowed me to be a game developer because he. Um, you know, he he gave me income and guidance um, in, a, in, a, in order to do it. Um, and he gave me the free time to allow myself to do it. So uh, I appreciate all the time I was able to give to help him and uh, at Vetti Associates. And um, yeah, I'm going to miss him a lot. Uh, tell listeners a little bit about the work you did and just your personal history. Yeah, sure. It's uh, yeah. So when I uh, I've, I've talked a little bit about my school um uh, life before but uh when i was going to the twin cities campus i originally studied mechanical engineering and my dad he has a side business where he um sometimes will do like computer um work for people um and i guess he heard he heard about vetti associates through another coworker of his um and so he ended up doing work for him and my dad he often talks about me <laughs> he goes and does stuff so uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> So uh, he, uh, while he was doing work for Fetty or for Mr. Fetty, uh, he was. Um, uh, it sounded. I guess Mr. Fetty was really interested in uh, you know me being an engineering student, um, and so he, I went and I interviewed with him and I became an intern for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that was seven years ago. I did that um, actually, like as of last week. I got a little notification in LinkedIn that I've been working there for seven seven years. Uh, and uh and it, he ran as an architecture firm yes it's an architecture and engineering firm it's always been a as far as i know it's always been a relatively small firm but a lot of like a lot of the stuff that mr fetty did was he coordinated a bunch of other architects and engineers and stuff to work on projects um and so uh i've i yeah so i've been working for Fetty for seven years i think like a couple two or three years ago um his wife mrs fetty was getting sick and so he started uh he started trying to spend more time at home and so he sold the office that i used to work at and then i just did work for him out at his at his house um and then his his wife passed away and um and uh, about a year a little year a, a little after a year he, he passed away after that um the work i did for mr Vetti was mainly just like computer stuff he's you know he was old so he didn't know how computers were <laughs> <laughs> um, and so like I typed up emails for him and I printed stuff out I did a lot of printing <laughs> uh, a lot of printing a lot of scanning is a lot of that. Um, and so uh, yeah I um, uh, yeah that's the, basically the work I did but like because it was largely mundane work I oftentimes was able to I had a lot of time to work on uh, video games while I was there and I mean I kind of hate it from Mr. Vitti because it felt unprofessional to be doing that <laughs> while I was in the office but I, I think that Mr. Fetty knew yeah. that, like I was working on it. And like when he when I got um, my current job, he was, you know, he was very excited for me. Um, um, but you still work, work with I him. still, yes, I still work with him. I, I knew, well, partly because I knew that like he probably wouldn't be able to work with, he wouldn't be able to do it without me. But like he was very valuable um, for me. Um, he helped me through a lot of stuff, even though I don't know that he, know, he knew that. Um, and so I just, I kept, I still kept working for him every week. Uh, so like, so he could uh, continue with his business and he worked until he, uh, he couldn't anymore. Yeah. I think you're lucky to have a relationship like that. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, yes, I really, I, I, he was always a great boss. He was very, uh, he was very caring for, with all the people he worked with. And uh, he was, uh, I mean, sometimes he was pretty stubborn, <laughs> 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 but, but like, uh, 
you know, he has a lot of experience and he, he traveled from, you know, uh, from India in order to uh, make a life for himself and his family. So uh, makes sense. Like all the things he did worked. So he <laughs> didn't necessarily want to change all of those things. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm very I'm very glad that I was able to work for Mr. Freddie as long as I was able to. And uh, I'm going to miss him. My favorite story that you've told about him yeah. is when you recently moved into a new apartment mm -hmm. and he wanted to help you a little bit with that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yes, he did. Yeah. He got me a bunch of uh, utensils and stuff. Like I have like 20 forks and 20 spoons. And for the <laughs> longest time, those are the only, actually, yeah, I think those are largely the only utensils I still have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's a memento. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I will keep those. I will definitely have to keep those. That's yeah. Yeah. Uh, in other important news. In other news. good news. Uh, happy news. Uh, Jajiv, who has been on the show before, he's now working for Pixelix. So he's one of my coworkers. Yay! Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which is really exciting. Um, it's been fun working with him so far. He's only been there a, a week mm -hmm. now. Um, but it seems like he's having a good time. He's already like fit into the, the company culture, what, you ha what have you. Um, so I'm really excited uh, to work with him. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, we'll put a link to the episode he was on, which wasn't too long ago. Yes. Yeah. Talking about he's a UI, UI designer. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he's very, very knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, in other weird news, uh, my, <laughs> my dad has been selling. He So his old company um, worked on um, making games for and trying to make them to go on many different uh, consoles that were around at the time. Um, and so... Uh, my dad just had in a in a locker all these old computers and he's finally cleaning out the locker and selling them all and he is pretty much sold all of them now um but okay. he uh has been very excited telling me like oh some some you know th this person who bought it was in this really cool old computer club down in <laughs> Texas and it's really exciting cuz it's going to people who actually want to use it like these have been sitting in his storage locker for as long as I've been alive. So like, it's cool that they're being finally used by people who really appreciate them. Yeah. So. That's good. And that process you described, that sort of like write once run anywhere. Uh, we talked to him about that on the show a couple of weeks ago. Yes. We'll put a link to that uh, episode as well. Yeah. So just an update on that situation. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of updates uh -huh. to your, you might want to put a, update on your calendar for when you are going to release your game. Right. So, my topic this week is calendar math. Um, <laughs> and what do I mean by calendar math? Um, about, you know, like scheduling out your work. Yeah. Right? Um, when you're, uh, this is something I've done in Widget Satchel uh, recently, and by the time you hear this, game will be out, go buy it. Yes. Um, but where I'm sitting, I'm still suffering from the weight of it so <laughs> of the impending release so <laughs> but uh but uh, i'm sure wherever i am now where you're listening i'm much more relaxed or i've dropped dead <laughs> hopefully the first thing i mean tune in next week <laughs> uh anyways so but um one of the things that you know i kept in mind all the time is like the next date the next thing is coming up oh yeah. i have to do this but i can't do this until this and i can't do that until that and the, that third thing needs to happen then so uh, you know mm -hmm. am i running out of time so um coming up with with some strategies to do that especially when you're doing a lot of the things on your own um and i'm talking a lot about the sort of production elements and a lot of the final bug fixes and stuff yeah that was usually that was just me in a cave for the most part and so um a lot of that and a lot of different things that had different required different disciplines i needed to be able to structure my time okay. like today i'm working on this uh, this four hours i'm working on this and uh i have i had mixed miss mixed success okay um, flexibility is important but also you need to have a plan yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I, i'm just gonna like brain dump some of the thoughts i have about this as a topic do uh, it i don't know that i have a lot of ton of great advice that will work for you <laughs> or how well it worked for me but uh we'll, we'll see how it goes um so basically a lot of this is just a function of scope so mm. one of the things is like oh i'm gonna start working on a game this is gonna be like a big project it's gonna take me a couple of years you know or like oh this is gonna be take three months and really you're lying to yourself mm -hmm. but like what when you <laughs> You, I think a lot of people will say like, oh, this is the thing I want to work on. Um, or, you know, if you're in a more professional environment, if you're in a, a company, you have a, a project that's been greenlit and it's got a structure, it's got producers and it's got a team. Yeah. Um, you're still at that moment, you're thinking like, well, how long, how long am I going to spend on this? Yeah. What is our, what is our deadline for this thing? And 
you really can't know exactly. I mean, there's ways to do it, right? You can say, well, this is exactly the amount of time we're going to work on it. And then that can then govern the scope. But a lot of times the scope will govern the schedule. And I think that's mm-hmm. definitely true for people who lean a little more on the artistic uh, side of it, that where they're more comfortable sacrificing time rather than sacrificing uh, the, their concepts. Right? Sure. Yep. Um, of course, I think um, there's no wrong answer to that necessarily. Like yeah. if you were like, it's got to be this no matter how long it takes. Like that is, I mean, that's a mistake in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but it might not be a mistake for the project. And that's really up to you to sort of like, you know, uh, um, consult with yourself to see if that's right. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, when you're thinking about Widget Satchel, um, we did it as a jam for a couple of days and right. then we all sort of decided as a group, let's work on it some more for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think even then we were like, eh, you know, a couple of months quotes, right? Yeah. Um, but even on the show, um, uh, we talked about it a little bit, like we were sort of planning on like finishing it out a little bit and then releasing it. Yeah. And then uh, our ambitions for it grew. Yeah. And I think that just always happens. Um, and I don't feel like there was really any mistakes made in that in that process. Um, but um, a lot of things, uh, you know, then there were times where um, this is the deadline we want. This is what we want to do. Right. And then something would intervene or like um, there, uh, uh, something else would come up in uh, for, for one of us that would slow things down. And then we would have to reassess. And I think that's one of the things you have to do a lot is constantly reassess. Yeah. So um, the it's a difference between like, this is when this has to happen versus this is when I want it to happen. And, but I, but if it doesn't, I've got a a backup plan. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think not having backup plans is the thing that stresses you out the most when dead, when things get pushed and you're only accountable to yourself, there's like, there's nothing is so little you can do about it. Right. And then you just have to reassess. And then that becomes a lot of work. So it was, it was like, Oh, I was planning to get it done here, but it didn't work. Okay. That's fine. I forgive myself. It's not the end of the world. Mm. And that's not the problem. Yeah. The problem is, okay, now I have to come up with a new schedule for this, a new right. deadline, and then right. restart that process while I'm still in the middle of actually trying to do it. Mm-hmm. I think that is what ultimately is the greatest stressor. Yeah, I, I would, um, sure. And I think that's just going to happen. Yeah, I mean, um, like, it, you can plan for days on what you want to do for this thing, but things are going to get in the way. Like, yes. it might just take longer for you to make the game than you anticipated, or, you know, I don't know, Snowmageddon can happen. We're in right. Minnesota. Uh, <laughs> Plenty of other things can happen that will, you know, cause the can cause the project to take longer than you anticipate. Yes. And I mean, you can plan for delays, but even then, you know, it, it still might not work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And ultimately, on Widget Satchel, when we made like big choices yeah. for like, this is when it was going to happen, I think maybe twice that didn't work. Mm. Um, like, so it, there were lots of little things yeah. that were supposed to happen this week that don't happen for four weeks. Sure. I think that happened a lot. But ultimately, when it when it came time to do the big reassessment, I don't think I had to do that more often than other projects of this scope. Yeah, sure. Um, and ultimately, two years is the, the ultimate total production time. Mm. Um, I feel pretty good with considering what it is. Um, so I feel okay about that. Um, but a lot of times, I'm like, oh, I was really hoping to get it out back in April. Yeah. Um, we talked about that on the show. That was the plan right. uh, when we came back from hiatus at the top of the year. Mm-hmm. The plan was to get it done in April. Mm-hmm. And um, and even looking back now, I'm like that wasn't unrealistic even what i know now yeah but it didn't happen and there's lots of reasons and i think there are going to be different reasons for every project and every delay or whatever every and every kind of um uh miscalculation or change of circumstance is going to be unique right um but ultimately um i don't know that that happened a lot <laughs> so yeah. i feel okay about it i guess yeah um coming down here to the wire i mean now it's so final i mean like the, the day one patch is up like you know and hopefully it's in your hands yeah <laughs> uh, dear listener mm-hmm. but um so i can maybe it'll be a little bit more comfortable with like ah it was all it was fine it all went fine mm-hmm. um but it is really rough on you yeah. uh, when you do that and so that to mitigate that um you do want to um uh, have your work in in chunks um yeah. i think uh you know we'll post speed of posting links to episodes uh, we did one recently um, um, about uh, agile yes. development, and um, so we'll post that as well. Um, I think when you're a small team, having a big structure like that is probably maybe more overhead than you need. Mm-hmm. Um, but that philosophy is really helpful to be like, um, I- I'm going to work on this thing for this sprint, and it has these short internal deadlines that you can meet, and then that helps you do the math, right? So that's where the calendar math comes in. Yeah, is I've got these seven tasks. And I know this one will take this long. I think this one will take this long, right? It's a, in Agile, you have that point system where you assign a difficulty and you just have to guess, yeah, right? Yeah. And that's what's nice about that philosophy is like the not being sure about it is built in to the system. Mm-hmm. So you should be doing that for yourself as well. Um, but then being able to say this, 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 and this, 
and add them all up and then you have a, it's a guess still mm-hmm. but it's better than saying i have these 10 things i think it will take me two weeks to do those 10 things yeah um but if you actually start drilling down into those specific things and the more you work on it the better estimate better estimating ability is um and so always thinking about it having a little bit of overhead to that all of the time is very stressful yeah. but it's better than having it all that stress at come at inopportune and unexpected yeah. moments. Well, that, that's, the, that's the core of it, I think, is that uh, you are reevaluating where you are with the project every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, in, like, you're scheduling time to do it instead of, like, you get to a deadline and you didn't make the deadline and then, like, oh, no, where do we go from here? Right, right. Having, what do we do? Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're kind of scheduling micro um, panic attacks <laughs> every two weeks instead. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, that, I think that helps because, like, um, as you, you know, as you make the game, as you make whatever, you will have a better understanding of what that thing is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as you, every two weeks, you can reevaluate what the game is and where the game actually is um, from where you initially thought you were at. Right. And that's really good as a working structure. Yes. But then when it comes down, down, down to like, when is it going to be done? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Like that, that process is only so helpful. Right. In that, because you're like, is it going to take six sprints or 10? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. And also a lot of that, especially when it comes to game developers using that kind of technique, is a lot of the design work happens there, too, where you're trying things out, you're iterating. Right. And so it's it is essentially never ending by design. Right. It's 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 when you when it meets your standards that you've set, hopefully in a game design document or some other vision uh, sheet or something like that. Yeah. Um, or maybe you find it along the way. That's OK, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but the key is, is like making sure that anything that can be quantified, you make an effort to quantify it. Yeah. Um, so that all you deal with is the unquantifiable, right? Yeah, yeah. Because you're going to have to deal with it. But if that's yeah. all you have to deal with, then you're in a better position, right? So how do you make those little deadlines, right? So you want to work, work backwards. I think everybody is familiar with that kind of idea where mm-hmm. you like, uh, you know, if, if this needs to be done then here, and that's a thing I'm deciding now, let's mm-hmm. say, then what do I need? When do I need to do the thing that's, that that is dependent on, Right. And so, you know, you work back from there um, and then you find like, okay, well, that means I have to start on this now. That means the thing I was planning to do um, or the thing that just came up in email, right? Because that's the thing about when you're working, you know, by yourself or in a very small team is that you, you, all the different hats you put on, it can kind of, it's not just you that decides when these things happen. And it's not just some, a manager assigning you these things. It can come up kind of, you know, marketing opportunities that come out of nowhere, um, events that you can do, um, things like, oh, this isn't working. And so I need to rethink my structure for how I build this feature um, right. or, you know, th- things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be a lot more unexpected um, and, you know, dealing with the, the different disciplines, right? Yeah. So um, having things that are dependent on each other helps a little bit because you're like, oh, I, this is a goal I have. I have to take care of this art asset. But before I do that, I want to make sure that I know I'm not animating too many frames. So I need to make sure that the mechanic for it is set and I'll use the old art that is broken and has the wrong frames. But then at least I can know I'll get the timing right so that when I go to the animation, you know, so that that's dependent on that. Yeah. And it's not, it's not literally dependent on it, but you then structure your dependencies. So okay. to, to make it easier on yourself, like the answers to what questions would help me yeah. make this easier on myself. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, again, figuring all that out is a bit of overhead, but if you, it's, if you get into the habit of thinking in that way, it can be very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the opposite side, sometimes it's useful just to block out time to like, try things yeah um so there's kind of a two sides to this yeah. um the the key is is to recognize when you're doing one and when you're doing the other and when you want to be doing one or the other mm-hmm. and when a deadline is approaching and it's more important to do one or the other yeah right yeah um or in the case of like oh this is dependent on this but this thing that it's dependent on is not going to be available to me or it's not coming my way um so i can't act on it for a little while so i can either change tracks to something that i can act on right now and then I need to reshuffle the deck again, or I can stay on this track. And if I'm confident that the, that that weight won't hurt things, then I'm going to make use of this time in other ways. Yeah. Uh, either by trying to squeeze in something else in that shorter amount of time that like that is a full full task or or, or, or item on your checklist, mm-hmm. or to do a little bit of that playing around. So give yourself some of that slack inside of the structure where you can find it. I suppose. But it can be very dangerous when you have these when you're building these dependencies because I've I've done this a lot where when I have a list of things to do and they have nothing to do with each other, <laughs> it becomes very difficult to be like, well, which one should I do first? Yeah, They're, it isn't important. The order in which I do them will maybe change things. Like the third thing will be different if I do this 
the first thing first or whatever. Yeah. But it, it, it's arbitrary to me. I don't care which one I do first, even right, though I know right. it will sort of affect it in a holistic sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, deciding what to do, that's, that's a lot of stress. And so um, one of the things that's easy to do is, is, I mean, it is to kind of just pick one kind of random, like um, when someone asks you like, um, what is that, that sort of trick you play when you need to make a choice between two things and then um, you force someone by taking one away and then their reaction tells you which choice they would have made. Yeah. Right? It's, so like you can just play little psychological tricks on there, but it make arbitrary choices and yeah. then declare them dependent on each other. Sure. Yeah, so okay. I need to do this UI thing mm-hmm. before I do this, um, you know, uh, a backend thing on the dev portal, even though they have nothing to do with each other. Yeah. But I'm declaring one dependent on the other so that I can keep it straight in my head. Sure. Okay. So that's That can be a very useful way to sort of organize things is to just form structure where none exists. Yeah. Um, the the pitfalls there are when you have those dependencies and then uh, you get um, stuck on something or there's a delay because you're either waiting from an asset from somebody else or there's uh, there's uh, um, in the, certainly in the case of the later stages if you're working on console development there are approval processes or emails that need to be answered right. and like oh I need the answer to this before I can do all the other things on my list and then you suddenly you'll be like oh wait there's no reason these are dependent on each other I can skip ahead or whatever but I've definitely gotten that where I've I've tried to clear my mind and de-stress by structuring these things. Mm-hmm. And then when the world intervenes, I, I will stick to the plan a little too long. Oh, okay. And that can, and then ends up kind of wasting a little bit of time. Sure. Um, I don't know if the cost of that is greater than not having structured it that way for sanity in the first place. Yeah. I, I honestly don't know. Um, maybe in some cases, yes. Some cases, no. I don't know if it's a wash or not or a net positive or negative. Um, but it's something to think about. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, I think that like, I've I've found myself doing sort of that kind of structuring in that like mm-hmm. uh, we're working on two projects. Well, I'm working on two projects at work. I'm working on Rhythm Rumble and then this horse racing game that kind of sucks. Don't tell my boss. Uh, <laughs> it's just wow. very boring. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't hear that. Could you say that again? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a very boring game. It's that it's it's a, it's like one of those free to play games. It's like mobile and it's uh-huh. exploitative and it's not. So like you're better than it is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to take that bait. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's the job. Anyways, I'm working on two different things. I uh-huh. didn't even have to go down that rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we can edit it out if you need. I, I don't care that much. <laughs> uh, I'm working on two things. We've, split up, we've been splitting up our weeks into... Um, so I've been alternating it. So I've been working on Rhythm Rumble on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Uh-huh. And uh, this horse racing game on Tuesdays, Thursdays. So every other day you switch? All right. I, I have comments, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't my decision. Uh, so what I've been doing is that like, uh, like this horse racing game often just, just does not take a ton of my attention, largely because like it's, it's a very simple game. Yeah. And so like, but sometimes like it, it needs your attention and your expertise. Yes. But like, it's not demanding of it. Exactly. And so uh, I will. Um, so sometimes like I'm waiting on our assets or I'm waiting on another developer to finish a thing for I can implement my thing or something like that. Mm-hmm. In those instances, I will work on Rhythm Rumble, but uh, we've been using uh, Jira and stuff to keep track of tasks. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm working on Rhythm Rumble on a day, I'm not supposed to be working on Rhythm Rumble. I will instead work on something that is not in my task list yeah. so I can get more stuff done. Cause like I'll, I'll um, even though I like have a task list as I'm working on stuff, I'll oh I should change this thing or oh I need to fix this thing, right? And I'll write it down on my whiteboard or something. Yeah. So um, during those days, I'll do the whiteboard stuff. And right. As so as not to disrupt the structure that exists. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so like I I I I've kept things organized in that like I have my own task list of things that I can do when I have time to do them. Uh-huh. If I don't do them, it's fine because they're not on the sprint. Right. But, like it's okay if I don't get those things done. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the higher priority target or. Um, tasks i make sure to do on the days that i need to get them done uh, or the days that i've set aside to work on rhythm remote so that like i make sure that i get my sprint stuff done mm-hmm. so that like organizing things in that way has been valuable yeah um yeah i, I think it's a good uh approach to yeah. working on stuff um but i am curious about like production schedules in terms of, like in long-term planning yeah because like oftentimes when you want to release a game you want to like maybe if you're a triple A or something, you want a holiday release, so you can, plenty of people can buy it uh, uh-huh. um, over the holidays or whatever else. Um, or you want to like reveal. I mean, so plenty of people buying it is kind of the goal regardless. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean like, or, or like you want to reveal the game during E3 or whatever. Yeah, so that kind of schedule. How do you, how do you plan for those things? I haven't really had to deal with that much. Most of the time stuff just comes up and I'm like, okay, I guess we're doing this thing. Yeah. Um, but I, but my boss has been more, um, uh, uh, not specific, but he's been planning like where uh, venues and stuff we can be showing the game off, yep. showing Rhythm Rumble off and such. 
Um, and I want to know, I'm curious how, uh, your thoughts on how to plan for that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. you had to do that a little bit for Widget Hatcher, right? Yeah. Um, I, so going back, I mm-hmm. might have talked about this on the show before, but when I was working on Metro Nexus mostly yeah. on my own, um, I would, you know, I, I had my day job and Metro Nexus didn't have a schedule exactly. Sure. It was just nights and weekends. Yeah. Um, and when, you know, 2D Con came up or like an event came up or certainly playtest here, mm-hmm. um, you know, I want, I, I, I showed the thing off. I handed out business cards. I like did, you know, I went to Indiecade for a couple of years and yeah. I showed it off there um, at their, uh, their Indie Exchange thing, which is a really cool option for developers who are just, Getting started, it's like a little um, indicate is for the it's for gamers mm. to see new and interesting indie games. But there's okay. a an event prior uh, for developers. Oh. Anyways, that I I I showed off it there, and it was sort of, but it was too early, and like it was just because I was it seemed like a cool thing to try. Okay, and it was sort of fun. And I have since, and on Winded Satchel, I've become much more sort of fatalist about it. Ah. Like um, as a small or solo developer, there are so many things vying for your attention yeah and you really need to spend it on what is uh what has the chance of paying off at all sure and so i think it's very nice to um uh uh, try to schedule out those things like do early early trailers um and this is definitely true there's a lot of like psychological benefit to doing like uh, uh game dev twitter yeah and uh dev dev blogs yeah and live streaming your dev work and stuff like that but uh, to me when doing widgets hatchel all of that felt like overhead Okay. Like I, I didn't want to worry about any of that stuff. I just wanted to work on the game. Sure. And yeah. then once it came time to like actually set, you know, marketing schedule stuff, then it was time to worry about that. Um, and it's certainly one of the reasons why we hired out uh, to do a lot of that work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I feel like there's not really a. I guess just for for a small team, yeah, it's just something that I think people think too much about. Yeah, I honestly do. Like, sure. okay. um, you know, there's tons of great. Uh, uh, guides like you know uh, how to market your indie game with no money mm-hmm. and you should read all of those mm-hmm. like you should obsessively read all of those I do recommend that and you know a lot of it's good advice and you should t- t- take what you need to do but I feel like developers are so afraid of their game going out there and doing nothing yeah. that like they tend to spend too much energy like working with all this when like it's going to go out there and do nothing anyway, I guess. Yeah, I, well, like, I mean, it's, it's good to be realistic about it. Well, I mean, like there's a, um, you know, uh, this is common in all types of notions of popularity, right? Uh-huh. Um, this is the reason why, um, you know, um, any political system will devolve into t- uh, two parties because uh-huh. there's this notion of like, of choices people make always have this like exponential curve. Yeah. The, the, the more things there are, the like, ultimately the fewer things get the most attention on an exponential rate. Yeah. And that is just a fact of nature. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, not, it it's not just human behavior. Mm-hmm. It's like, that is how things work. And so there's a, I mean, you do need to do the work to climb that curve. Like yeah. that is, you shouldn't just say like, ah, whatever. Like that's, I'm not re- recommending that at all. But when you're trying to schedule your own work, especially if you're also working on your game, mm-hmm. you can waste an extraordinary amount of time making postcards yeah do you know what i mean yeah um and if if that gives you some enjoyment and you get something out of it like super do it like there's no reason you shouldn't be doing that stuff like i i am happy if anybody makes a sticker for their game and hands it out at like dev events like Mm -hmm. that's awesome um i didn't really want to bother with that because it wouldn't give me the satisfaction okay um but i i'm if if it makes you happy fine but like know that it's not the same as actually doing like marketing efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess my overall point is I don't have a ton to say about that because I recognize I don't have the expertise or capacity. And okay. so I think it's dangerous to pretend that you do. Yeah. I sure. suppose. Sure. That's so sad, I guess. I'm, well, <laughs> I, I don't mean to be a total bummer. I, I, I think that, I think there are, I, I think that's important to keep in mind. Yeah. That, like, I do think that a lot of, a lot of people, especially like with events and stuff, people put a lot of priority in those events Yeah, and they're expensive to go to and they're they, like, they cost you money yes. to go. And they, so many devs have gone to PAX and yeah. spent thousands of dollars Yeah, and you know, they're not dummies. Like no. they've made rational choices that brought them to that place because yeah. they were, because they really like, there's an, it's not a mistake mm-hmm. uh, or they didn't make a mistake. Yeah. I should say. Um, but then you look back on it and you're like, was any of that worth it? Mm-hmm. You know? And it's like, it's, that can be very disheartening, especially if you're, you know, early in your career and, and you're trying to make it on your own. Right. Like it, it, it does set you up for a lot of, of, um, of bitterness. Sure. Um, well, one, one, av- uh, one direction you could look at in terms of these production schedules, like in planning around those kinds of events yeah. is when you go to an event, you're not going to show it to 
consumers. You're going, you can maybe go to show it to producers or something, somebody who can yeah, ultimately, help sell your game. And when you have those things, that's really useful. So yeah. like to, to speak, you know, back to, you know, about planning and calendar stuff. Yeah. Um, like you were saying, your boss cares about that stuff. Right. One, it's useful because that's his job too, right? Yes. Like as, as a sort of overall sort of executive producer of these, of these projects, mm -hmm. like he has the bandwidth to do it. Yeah. And so it makes more sense for him to spend his time on those things. Right. It, it is more logical for him to spend that time. Yes. Yes. Right. Um, and that's true for publishers and marketers and, you know, people whose job that is, mm -hmm. um, which isn't to say other people can't do it, but so on. Yeah. Um, but when it comes down to those types of things, um, you need to know what the goal is and then exactly what you need to do it. Yeah. So if you're going to GDC to try to pitch your game to publishers, mm -hmm. like you probably need a trailer, but you probably don't need like a full, um, you know, consumer facing website. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you probably don't in fact need, um, a ton of like, uh, dev blog content. Um, uh, dev blog Twitter is useful because publishers see that as a sign of, of, of people catching your concept. Yeah. So that's a nice little thing if you can kind of get a following early on. Mm. Um, and you know, that is really good advice is to slowly build a large audience rather than hope to do it all at the end. Right. Um, how feasible that is for a lot of people is your mileage may vary. Mm. Um, but then yet suddenly, like, what exactly do you need? Like if you have a business card that has your, your personal email on it, and that's great. But you want to have like your game dev one with like your game and all that stuff. Like that's fine. But is that worth the $200 to print that on all nice right. cards and stuff? Or at the meetings you're going to go to, will it work fine? So once you decide exactly what you need, you just do the same thing. You work backwards. Yeah. Right. It's like, when is this? When is the event? When is the thing? Or like, when do I want to release this trailer yeah. or like do this tease or whatever? If it's like an early marketing event. Yeah. And then what do I need to do it? And is there anything in the game? Like if I'm doing like um, uh, uh, GIFs or, or video content, what does the game need to have that I can show off, right? If it's early in the development or, or and you're like, this is a great feature we want to show off, but it's not in the game yet. So should we prioritize that so that we can make a, a, a video a presentation so that we could show it to a publisher or a platform holder? Yeah. Um, and that's certainly true when you're pitching to consoles. There's certain things you need and don't need. And unfortunately, like what that is, is a little like unknown. It's yeah. obtuse. Um, and I would, I think I would love to do that as a topic on the show in the future mm -hmm. to get further into like exactly what you need to prep before you actually pitch to Nintendo or whatever. Yeah. But, um, once you have all, once you know what you need, then you can, you can just do the normal thing. You just work backwards and then it eats into production time. But if it's, if it's worth it, it's worth it. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. Okay. So that, yeah, that makes sense. Just, uh, figure out what you want from it and work yeah. backwards from there and, uh, be brutal about what you don't need. Yes. Right. Mm. Um, especially if your time is scarce or your resources are finite, yeah. which is everybody. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. I think that's important. To yeah. Keep in mind. So um, the last thing I want to talk about is just the setting priorities and making sacrifices. Okay. So this is a case where like, I, you know, I've had lots of, you know, uh, on widget satchel, lots of 15, 16, 20 hour working days. Oh boy. Um, and I, I think we always want to talk about like there's crunch, right? Yeah. Crunch is something that an employer makes you do. Mm. If you're um, an indie dev and you work overtime, that's punishment you're, you're giving yourself. Yeah. And so <laughs> it still sucks and you shouldn't do it. Yeah. But um, if, if you, if the sacrifice you make to meet a schedule that you set yourself includes something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and this is a lot because I've done a lot of this. Uh -huh. um, I have a hard time telling people that it was a mistake. Do you know okay. what I mean? Because I think if I hadn't if I hadn't really pushed myself in a lot of these ways, if I hadn't sacrificed other things, um, then not only would the game not be ready yet, but I would not be able to move on to the next game quick enough. Sure. And one of the things about an indie devs mm -hmm. is that you want to have a bit of a library. You yeah. want to have a history. You want to have something that so that the next game you can sell to a publisher. You can point to a previous game. Yeah. You can say, oh, it sold pretty well, or oh, it didn't sell that well, but check it out. It's really good, a good game, yeah. right? And um, or like, let's look and I know how to finish a project. Right? Right. Like, there's lots of things that having projects out or having things moved on is and and that's hard. And sometimes yeah. you do need to make sacrifices for that. I think that's entirely separate from the discussion about crunch. Um, I, I think it's separate. Okay. I don't know. Do you you two feel differently? Uh, we haven't done a topic on crunch yet, have we? Not well, explicitly. I mean, I don't think any of us have really suffered it. Yeah. And so it's, I mean, there's, we can recount. Well, not in games. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. That's fair. Too. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I guess, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm a little conflict. I, I, I agree in that, like, if you're an indie developer and you're working on your own or, you know, even in a team. Yeah. Um, ideally, no one is forcing you to do it if you're working on it in a, as in a team. But um, even in that case, I, I, I worry that, like, the long term or the short term benefits 
do not outweigh the long-term harm that mm-hmm. could potentially come from working long hours on, on a project for an extended period of time. Yeah. Like even if you, if you do it for a week or two, um, it sucks and it's yeah. hard, but I, I, you'll survive that process. Yeah. Um, but like if you, if you're doing it on months on end, uh, just to get this game out by your, for yourself, uh, I think that can be dangerous and harmful. So I think like the conversations, at least in terms of like, uh, not in terms of like employees exploiting workers to get more stuff out of them. Yeah. But just the conversation around the health possible or the health, uh, issues and stuff that can come from these things. Sure. Those are still relevant to crime. Right. And that's its own. Yeah. That's its own category. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that the reason it happens, not just in, in both at like AAA studios and in one person, any teams or small teams, mm-hmm. it's the same reason mm-hmm. because somebody felt it was, that it was worth it. Yeah. Right. And the somebody who feels that is important. Right. Right. Yeah. But yeah. And, and, and so that's the other side of this about sacrifices right. is, what are you willing to sacrifice in your game so that you can get it out this year yeah. um, and, and not kill yourself? And is that worth sacrificing? Yeah. Right. So not just like your time or your other commitments like, oh, I can't go to my, my pal's wedding in, you know, out of state mm-hmm. because, you know, I can't take three days off from this project sure. at this point. Right. Yeah. That, that's the kind of personal sacrifice that's separate from just like staying up all night, which yeah. is, you know, that's a everyday thing that I do all the time. Oh. But like, um, but there, you know, there are other personal sacrifices that you can make and that, that you, it's up to you to decide if it's worth it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and up to you. To, and, you know, you're not going to make the right choices all the time and you're going to regret a lot of them either one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But then there's the other side of that is what is it that we can sacrifice in, in this game of, of, of your vision mm-hmm. in order to meet a schedule that you've set? Yeah. And you can't always make those choices unless you have set a schedule. Yeah. Right. True. And that's the, that's, that's the thing about calendar math and the, the value of doing it is then you can really lay it out on the table and say, what's worth what? Mm-hmm. And what is worth more to me? And, and say, instead of saying, it's holding out hope that I can do this, this, and this yeah. in this amount of time, and then only dealing with the consequences once it's well past obvious, mm-hmm. right? And then you failed. Yeah. It, you can lay it on the table and say, oh, I have to get rid of two of my three huge priorities, or I have to spend six extra months and I still have to get rid of one big priority. Mm-hmm. Then you have choices to make. And then you can feel, you can inform yourself about like, okay, if I make these sacrifices, will it be worth it? Will the game be less good? Yeah. Maybe yes. Is that worth it? Yeah. Sometimes it is. And I definitely, on Widget Satchel, there were lots of those types of sacrifices, right. I think. Uh, game mechanics we were intending to do. I know there was a ton of animation work that I was desperate to do. Yeah. And it's the kind of work that I can do relatively quickly. Yeah. But ultimately it wasn't worth it. Right. And I think it does hurt the game a little bit. Uh, available sure. now, please buy it. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, um, I, I feel I did make a couple of uh, ultimately correct choices sure, yeah. um, in things. And we talked early in the design phase. You will probably remember I was very, I was very tough on we can't have too many ideas. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think I ruffled some feathers about like, no, we can't do that. Or no, we decided that last week. We've decided We decided it. it. Yeah. No, um, and I, I think that's important because like, yeah, once you make a decision, once you set that, if you invite larger, if you invite more ideas to things, then like it can e- easily balloon or obscure what your overall end goal is, right? Yeah. And you know, it's that, that can be damaging to brainstorming, yeah. right? Like if you just, if you, if you value production into, uh, continuity over like the ultimate goal of the thing, you have some problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the earlier in the project you do, the more the brainstorming you, you can do. Yeah. Um, but um, there's definitely a point where you do need to sort of start nailing things down right. because then otherwise you can't set a schedule yeah. until you've done those things. Yeah. Right. Like I say, like when we were talking about Jeff's boots, as, uh-huh. the, as the, 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 there were, we, we were really debating like, what, what, what does it do mm-hmm. in the early jam? It was a double jump. Right. And I think we argued the merits that we had different ideas for what Jeff boots might do. Yeah. Could it do this or this? Could it do both of them? Would that make a lot of sense? Yeah. Well, we don't have a language in the game for a device that does two things. So it should be one or the other. And we made that choice. Mm-hmm. Then, well, if we do a double jump, that opens up a lot of exploration options, and we really like that. But the jam didn't have a lot of that, so we don't have any. There's no reason it has to be that. But if we do the other thing where you're bouncing on bots, that does a lot of. That's more like interacting with the environment, and we wanted, and we chose that. Mm-hmm. We chose bouncing on bots. Right, yeah. There are times when I super regret that. Yeah. Oh yeah. When I'm like, oh, double jump one. It's more familiar to gamers. Yeah. It's like it, it's easier to explain. Uh, level design would be an awful lot easier. We could do a lot more uh, locked areas based on on double jumping. The pun stays consistent. Absolutely, <laughs> we lost the pun. Yeah. We're changing this. So, like, uh, but we made that decision. Yeah. And then uh, once we started building towards it, 
then it would be we really we would have sacrificed so much right. uh, changing it back and it would yes. be a different game and it would be i don't think it would be better but it'd be different in a way that we maybe we liked in a different way yeah um but those are the sorts of sacrifices that i think are as important as when you think about like what is it worth to you to put the time in it's like well how how, how much should i do, how, you know how much should i uh, uh how big should this project be mm-hmm. how much time should i spend going back and forth um because i can all uh you know impact those sorts of things and yeah. like it sucks to have to think about that as a priority to think about like, oh, well, you know, I have to decide this now or else six months from now, it'll be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> like that is such a hard like thing to think about. And you feel you don't feel artistic when you make choices like that. You don't feel creative. You don't feel you don't feel productive when you make those kinds of sacrifices. Yeah. Um, but they're very important. Yeah. No, I, I think that's important. And yeah, yeah. And helpful to, you know. To keep those things in mind, especially like I, I prioritizing those is helpful too. like if you just have a list of if you number them and they shouldn't be arbitrary, I guess. But if you number them one through mm-hmm. three and like you're getting close to the deadline and you're like, oh, man, I'm just not going to be able to get this. I wasn't able to do it. You can just get rid of the third object and you still have the two core things. right? Yes. And yeah. that help. It makes that future decision easier. I mean, a little easier, at least yeah. in terms of what you want to get rid of. Right. It's not just how important is this thing that I'm deciding between yeah. is how important is the answer to the question yeah. <laughs> to me in terms of the overall game. Yeah. And yeah, you can do a lot of. I mean, you can do it on post-its, you can do it in spreadsheets, mm-hmm. you can just, you know, you can write on your hand. Yeah. But like having some way of organizing those thoughts and really asking yourself those questions because we don't always do that mm-hmm. when, we, when, we, when we work in design. Yeah. Um, and then, then, only then, can you start putting dates on a calendar. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Why do we do this to ourselves <laughs> sometimes? <laughs> ah, it's fun. We For all it. those good reviews. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a transition? It is. Hey, did you know that you can review us on your favorite podcast app, specifically iTunes, too, right? That's a good one. I mean, I knew that because we mention it yeah. briefly at the end of every show. Yes. Now, we're not one of those podcasts that's like at the top. We're like, hey, we just need five-star reviews. Yeah. Blah, blah. Yeah. But like we've now realized after three years of doing this program that that was a huge mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Please review us. Uh, I, I will. Um, one of the benefits of reviewing um the podcast is that we get to read reviews on the show. Yes. You get to be a part of the show. Uh-huh. I will read one now. Um, this is from Super Jump TMR. Um, 12 people, nice games. Recently found this podcast and it's amazing. I've been digging back through previous episodes and the subjects they touch on are very informative, insightful, and really helpful. And the hosts are all super swell and enjoyable to listen to. Aww. Hey. <laughs> this podcast has been fantastic overall. I find it all educational and I really enjoy the debates as well. I'm excited for new episodes. Well, that's so, so nice. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine being as nice as that. Yeah. You know, it's not out of reach, folks. It's not. <laughs> All you got to do is go and reviews. Yep. So Apple Podcasts is usually the way to go. It's about the, it's the, but there are other places that, yes. uh, uh, that where you listen to podcasts that can do reviews. But Apple Podcasts is, is I think, the important one. Yeah. People, even if they don't listen on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. That's just the world we live in. The value um, of it for us is that, like, we, it helps the show get noticed so more people yes. can see us, more people can hear us, and hopefully we can help more people. Yeah, that sort of natural discovery thing, because I think a lot of the there are a lot of potential listeners out there who would love the show yeah and like you know we do try to get it out there mm-hmm. um but if the show matters to you at all um you know and it's it, it uh, just that little bit of effort to tell other people about it uh it means so much it to really us. Does. yes yeah thank you so much now it's time for my topic which is calendar math oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> I need to be in these meetings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to talk about calendar math, like how calendars work and time. How do they, though? And how, like, what you have to think about if you're making a game and you want, like, some event in the game to happen on a real, real life day. Uh-huh. Ah, okay. Or a certain number of hours since someone initiated an event or something yeah um then you have to know about time in real life mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in irl you might say. <laughs> well not just that too but even games that have like real life time thing also have abstracted time yes. within yeah. game worlds and how you blend those things is super interesting right yes yes that's all stuff i wanted to talk about so there's this really great talk about um dealing with time in code Mm-hmm. Um, and in applications you're coding, but it's applicable to games um, for the same reasons. Um, and it's by 
person that was used to be local. Her name is Maggie Pint. Um, she now works for Microsoft, so it's often the Silicon Valleys, et cetera, or wherever Microsoft is. Redmond. Redmond. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but uh, I just really love this talk. It explains so much about how time works and all the things. Basically, the it can all be summed up with don't make assumptions about time. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, because especially if your game is going to be in a lot of places besides the time zone and, and place where you live. Sure. Um, like, for example, you can't assume there are 24 hours in a day because some days there are more than 24 hours because it's daylight savings time. Oh, yeah, okay. And it, like during the flip over, there's 26 hour or 25 hour days and 23 hour days. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can't assume that a year is 365 days long. Or, yeah, because there's leap days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's also some places don't have all the days in history. Like, if you have an application that needs to work in Samoa and it has historical dates, this is mostly for, that would mostly be for apps. Okay. Um, not a game, but. Still relevant. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, Samoa originally was um, on the U.S. side of the, of the date line. Mm-hmm. But they were doing more trade with Australia, so they're like, we're just going to switch. So on December 30th, 2011, it went from December 30th to January 1st. Oh. Because, and so December 31st, 2011 doesn't exist in Samoa. <laughs> <laughs> That's really great. <laughs> um, and that, like, uh, she says you can't assume where that time zones are always going to stay the same because mm -hmm. time zones are controlled by political entities. So the U S can change the, where the time zones are, who has the time zone, who does daylight savings time, who doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, That's down to the County level. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There is a place in Arizona. I think it's Arizona where Arizona doesn't do daylight savings. Right. But the Navajo nation does. Oh, so anywhere that their land will not be on it, but the Hopi Nation does do daylight savings. Huh. Or doesn't do daylight savings. So then, and there's a part of the Hopi Nation that's inside the, the Navajo Nation. So, like, you can drive a couple miles and go through, like, three different time zones. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. But ultimately, that, that becomes, like, when you're making, uh, with the Samoa example, about having, like, a record of time, right? Yes. Yeah. Like, this many days ago. Like, if you're, you know, even in video games, when you think about stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can't assume that 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 like the date, you know, July yeah. thirty uh, th uh, July fifteenth mm -hmm. is three days ago if it's July eighteenth, right? Because right, right. it might not have been three days ago. It might have been, you know, depending on the time zone things or leap year things right. or whatever. Yeah, I mean, calendar math hard enough, but yeah. then there's more to it. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and these are edge cases, but they're real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you have players in those edge cases like you can have an event happen on the wrong day or start at the wrong time or um say you have you know this item is available for five hours but there it was only available for four because you know whatever happened um so you have to like really think about that sort of stuff when you're trying to plan your code out right um there are some things that make it easier um, there are time zone, there's the IANA time zone server, um, which keeps track of all time zones and has historical records of, of how many times the time zone has changed and what it's changed to. Um, and then there are libraries for each language that coding language that pull from that database. So you don't oh, have cool. to. Just some boilerplate code you can use. Yeah. It's very nice of them. <laughs> who maintains that server? Um, I don't know what IANA stands for, but it, that's who it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, Some international organization? Yes. Uh, maybe a UN outfit, perhaps? Probably. Uh -huh. Probably like the IUCN that yeah. I was talking about mm -hmm. in last but, episode. But that matters, like wh you, who you put your, your faith in. Right? Yeah. Microsoft has their own time server, mm -hmm. um, which can cause problems because they can all sometimes be different. Mm -hmm. There's uh, like time.gov. Yes. And that, that's used a lot. But then, my, yeah, Microsoft has its own, which has been the source of a number of issues over the years. I'm not sure how common it is anymore. But yeah, they could be off by half a second and it matters. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, just recently, um, I don't know what Google or 
maybe it was my phone company. Uh, but my phone, when we did daylight savings recently, um, we were supposed to fall back an hour. But mm. both me and my mom's phones fell back two hours. Wow. So we were going along being like, yeah, it's, you know, going about my day, going to this thing that's at this time. Yeah. And <laughs> usually on fall back, you're early to things. But mm. I was late to a thing because my stupid phone <laughs> <laughs> updated wrong. Wow. So oh, no. like those sort of things can really affect people's day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, in JavaScript, the one of the cool time libraries is called Moment.js. Um, and I'll try to find a C-sharp one because that's what Unity would be using. Mm. Um, I think there is one. Mm-hmm. I think that Maggie has links in her talk too about, yeah. about the different languages if you're coding in different languages, which libraries do these sort of things. Um, but it's really helpful to use a library like that because it can do some of these things for you. Like it can... Um, uh, convert between different time, uh, time and date things mm-hmm. easier. Okay. You don't have to do the calculations yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's different ways to mark time. There's, um, this thing called universal time, which, um, gives you a point on a universal timeline. Um, that so everywhere, Local time, you'll have like this is five p.m. Sure, yeah. Um, but that's a diff. That's one point on the universal timeline, and that same point on the universal timeline also points to like local time in Britain, where it's right. whatever time it's just it is. Incremental in from a certain point in time, yes. irrespective of how anybody notates it. Yes, that's exactly. Right. Yeah, and one point in universal time is the same uh, across the whole world at that moment of real. time time happened sure. at this moment yeah okay <laughs> not, not to meant to be human readable yeah <laughs> machine readable right yeah um i mean that the you can see examples in maggie's talk but they're they're actually pretty readable from a human oh, perspective yeah? um unix time is the one that's really only for computers <laughs> which is funny and i learned this today when we were taking look, looking at some of the notes for the show but unix time is the amount of seconds since january 1st 1970 and then it then gets translated into whatever when you're using it on a machine. Except leap seconds <laughs> are not counted or counted twice. Well, then what's the point? Of it? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! All the like, it's so wishy washy yeah. that you have to, like things change all the time. It's incredible that like we you know uh, people talk about human history and like this occurred at this time, uh-huh. but truthfully, it probably occurred 250 years before that because. There's been a lot of effort by scholars in various eras to realign history every so often to oh. cr- whatever the current standard was using. Um, one of the, you know, uh, I think a common one you hear in pop culture is about like the date of Jesus's birth, right? Yeah. It's not zero. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's well far from zero mm-hmm. as far, you know, if a historian is asked. Yeah. Uh, it don't, but ultimately, it kind of doesn't matter, right? Like a lot of these things yeah. don't matter. And it's amazing how little they matter. <laughs> But yeah. but sometimes when we treat them as they matter more than they do, and then our our um, our precision is not as good as our trust in it is, mm-hmm. then that that can be kind of tricky. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Dang, this is a lot. This is a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I had never even yeah. attempted to consider it before. I, if I like if I were to use a like real life time in in a game, I, this is a lot of stuff I'd have to consider. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I would want it to be that precise or complicated <laughs> but i mean I, I i don't know how we would go about developing i mean time like dot that. time is already annoying enough right <laughs> then you gotta keep all these other things yeah Ooh, that's a lot okay well i mean I, I think that's really i think it's really cool that we're talking about this stuff though mm-hmm. like it, it, how can we use some of these things in a game do you think yeah um well animal crossing is the you know be- well-known example there's other Games that do real world events, and of course, uh, MMOs, um, online games that require coordination between different uh, time zones. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. how they do lobby matchups, they, you know, uh, uh, one of the categories is based on not location or region, but on time, which oh. corresponds naturally. But you know, um, that's an option uh, that way to, to think about it in terms of things, things that are online. Yeah, 
that tends to matter a little bit more. But then, yeah, Animal Crossing is the, is the one people think of. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I think if you have a server-based game, it can be... That needs to evali- validate events? Yes. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> I mean, if if you're doing a game where, like, all you need is that, okay, you can have, like, this event... See, no, it gets complicated. Like the minute you start <laughs> thinking about it, because it's like, okay, this event is going to last from last three days. Mm-hmm. So then you'd have to check where your user's device, what their time is or sure. what. Well, in that case, you yeah. do it server side, right? Yeah. It would, yeah. Be, it would be your three days and then you would do the local calculation depending on what now is whenever it's whenever someone needs to know now. Yeah. And what that ultimately might mean is somebody traveling or somebody or on, on daylight savings or some structure like that, you know, or things that end at midnight on such and such, right? Like you need to make allowances for those sorts of things. But if you use server time, then there might be some confusion to the local user, but then it is accounted for in the system and the user just has a slightly bad experience. Yes. Yeah. And that also, that yeah. seems to be the sacrifice that yes. ends up being made. <laughs> And but again, I mean, like when you think about like what what is worth your time to resolve, um, I you should always be thinking about it. But like sometimes you got to just take the hits, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you, I like, I wonder how Destiny does it, like mm-hmm. because they have events that last days, and they're they're or like Overwatch or whatever. Like mm-hmm. how long making the Halloween event last from blah blah day to Halloween? Yeah. How do you? Like, do they cut it off on your local Halloween or do they cut it off on the Halloween when Halloween ends to the server? Yeah. That's it, the question. It, most of the time, players don't experience that they because they lock off or something. Because yeah. if it ends at like two o'clock in the morning, most people aren't going to be up for that. Well, you'll see this a lot with um, various deadlines for submissions in various fields or contests. Yeah. They tend to note this specific time or, or, or Eastern time or whatever, sure. if, whatever the, that organization is located. Mm-hmm. And then you do the math. And you're like, oh, I got an extra hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no, it's uh, I, I get this done at 11. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, yeah. I guess I, I feel like a lot of people do do like surfer time thing, like you were saying, Mark. They just or you make allowances for to cover larger amounts, so it actually ends at three a.m. Mm-hmm. server time, but it covers the whole country in the case of America. Right? Sure. Yeah. 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 That's just a lot. And I, I'm just imagining like organi- or organizing an event based off of this, not even like digitally, but just like you know in real life. So like uh, the global game jam. Yeah. Like they it's. It's it's amazing how we manage. I hope so to keep like the 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 um the theme secret until who is it Hawaii who starts it first or ends it? Or, I don't remember who start who ends. I think the last. I, I think it's Hawaii it ends it. Okay, so yeah, like we, it's amazing we keep it secret the whole time until Hawaii gets the you know the topic. Yeah, the yeah, reveal. Yeah. But like we, yeah, they, the way that it's set up is I think everybody gets the reveal at five o'clock on mm-hmm. at their time, whatever their time is. Yeah, which makes sense because like if you're working on a thing, you don't want to you're game jam to start at four o'clock in the morning yeah yeah um, <laughs> and, and the way that they police that is the global game jam organization you register a site yeah with them mm-hmm. uh to host people and that could be your living room if you want and then yeah. you tell them what time zone you're in and then they send you a private youtube link at your local start time i believe that's how it works yeah and then it's just you know good faith that keeps you from being like put you know because i don't know how, what motivation it would be to spoil it for other people yeah. but like you know um it interestingly i think that actually prevents I don't know if it prevents, but it discourages global game jams from having multinational teams. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, right. You could you could do it. There's nothing stopping. Yeah. You, right. But it actually sort of discourages it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I guess it just depends on what venue your team decided to register in. Right. Right. It's it's encouraged to be more of a, of an in-person event yeah. in that case, even though it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's true. But mm-hmm. yeah, like that that is a complication in itself. So all of this stuff is very. Woo. Yeah. A lot. I'm glad we're talking about this, and I'm glad you linked that talk. <laughs> yeah, that would yeah. be a good one for listeners. Yeah, for it's, sure. I really, really recommend it. Do you guys have favorite games that have seasonal events or things like that? That's something I hear people talk about a lot, but I can't think of a ton of games that do it that um, I've played. Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned, Overwatch and mm-hmm. and Destiny. I like the. I kind of like the the seasonal events. I think. It depends on the tone of your game because the the Halloween one in Destiny kind of is like a little bit like, uh, what's the word for when it's cognitive dissonance? Like you have cognitive uh, dissonance about it yeah. because they're collecting candy, but they're these very serious 
guardians. You know, like, like during Destiny. Is it? Yes, that's pretty funny. It's very weird. Okay, <laughs> I don't know when Destiny was announced. I'm like, oh, fu- cool sci-fi. Kind of, it's got a serious story, and then yeah. it all devolved into just dancing and <laughs> crazy outfits. So, like, how serious does any of that have to be? I yeah. mean, yeah, but I think Candy is one step farther than. <laughs> yeah. Like, it breaks the compact you make with players. Yeah, like, there's certain things we will re- continue to take seriously. Yes, uh, the, fortunately, there's one character, Eris Morn, in the game who also thinks that it's ridiculous. So you'll go to her and she'll be like, <laughs> "That's what's called hanging a lantern on it." Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, was, I used to play League of Legends, and so I, I didn't like. I guess I didn't like hugely like a lot of the events, but I really liked. Uh, we used to do around April Fool's Day. They had like an Earth event thing. Earth was this manatee that they had introduced um, as a champion that was going to come out on April 1st. And then on April 1st, the champion got killed by another champion, <laughs> but like actually killed like League of Legends. Their lore is confusing. Um, so like you couldn't actually play as a champion. So it was an April Fool's joke. Mm-hmm. But like each year they would bring Earth back as like a, a thing. So like and so Earth is like the representation of April Fool's in this universe. Or yeah. Um, and so like one time they brought it as, as a skin for the champion that killed earth which was funny and like another another year like they, they made a uh, a mode called ultra rapid fire which you know stands for earth, earth. Uh, and like it made it made all of the champions cooldowns like 80 percent of what they normally or 20 percent of what they normally were so like everybody could spam everything and it was really fun and yeah. so like that stuff was cool because like it made like it was always a unique feeling time during that, that I think you talked about that in a, uh, an episode where we were talking about balance because yeah. it's something that mm. broke the game, mm-hmm. but it didn't matter because it was fun and temporary. Yeah, yeah, it was supposed to. Yeah, it was supposed yeah. to break the game, and so like those those events were cool. But then eventually, people started building a meta on it, so I think they like sort of retired it, <laughs> and it was like yeah. Um, but like those th- that event was really cool. So like I would look forward to April first when I was playing League of Legends. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's actually that's something that's ne- unique about like this kind of thing is that like it can if you really like the event and this is probably why they do it if you really like an event that happens in a game even if you don't play the game regularly like you might come back to an event and participate in it during with that you know that time that you enjoyed it yeah it gives you uh, a hook into into something like yeah. yeah maybe you don't play a lot but then when leading up to that event you get back into it a couple weeks early to yeah. play a little more yeah, you know? yeah. it's about engagement but mm-hmm. also it can foster community because it's it's a hook not just for the game but for your the discussion about the game and the yes. community around it. Yep. Yeah. One of the, the one of the only real examples I can think of that I really liked personally was uh, in uh, Batman Arkham City. Mm. Um, in the I believe it's the Gotham Courthouse. Uh-huh. Uh huh. In the basement is uh, trapped uh, in the cells down there in like the holding cells is Calendar Man. Yeah. Oh. And he's really he's one of those joke. Batman has tons of joke villains that yeah. then certain versions of Batman have tried to make serious. I love them when they try because <laughs> it, how do you make something so stupid work? And yeah. like they're pretty good at it. Mm. In this case, he's just sort of this hulking guy with numbers tattooed on his forehead who talks very like just very creepy, creepy and quiet. And, you know, but all his whole deal about dates and numbers and he talks, he speaks in rhyme and riddle and it's weird and he has no gameplay function. You just talk to him. He says some stupid thing and you leave. Yeah. And it's just a bit of like world building. But on the anniversary of the release of the game, you could go and talk to him and you got some special content, oh. um, which was pretty cool. That's, That's awesome. Yeah. Because he's Calendar Man. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and in Arkham uh, Knight, uh, Calendar Man has like a whole side quest mission you can do, which oh. is pretty interesting. Okay. But like. Not as fun as like that Easter egg. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Oh, that's awesome. One, one, uh, Kirby games do this actually, where like on on a lot of them are mobile or not mobile games. They're on, um, uh, what's the word? Portable platforms, um, and like DS and uh, Game Boy Advance, whatever else. And um, you could set your birthday on those things. So like, if you played a Kirby game on your birthday, the first thing that pop up would say "Happy Birthday, Kirby!" Say "Happy Uh Birthday" to you, and I do that. Because I like it, Kirby's a head friend to me. Um, so, so I like that stuff. Yeah. So uh, this is uh, true on um, online forums. It's, a, it's like a common feature for an online forum. Yeah. When you your birthday, you'll get an email. And it's like old-fashioned, you know, uh, uh, PHP BB kind of feature. Sure. And I still to this day, every year on my birthday, I get one email from the Little Big Planet forums <laughs> that I visited for like two weeks in 2008. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I have not gone back to unsubscribe because I'm like, just once a year, it's yeah. nice. That's, that's cool. I that's like that. cute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's our show.
If you haven't already, subscribe to Nice Games Club in your favorite podcast app and be sure to give it a good review if you liked it or are nice like us. We really do need to know you're out there, so leave a review and tell all your friends too. We also want to hear directly from you, so follow us on Twitter at Nice Games Club, where Dale posts so much amazing stuff on this yes. Twitter. <laughs> I find myself getting distracted there sometimes. Uh, it's great. And uh, you can also email us at contact at NiceGames.club. Lastly, you can find out more about the show and your nice hosts, as well as get all of the links and show notes from this and other episodes at NiceGames.club. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. Because it is, I'm going to say that again, because that was really also. That's Dale calling. <laughs> hi, Dale. Hey. Uh, hi, Dale. Hi, Mary. Um, you're on the show now, I think. <laughs> oh, I did. I did purposely call whoever I thought would have their ringer on, and I turned your ringer on. <laughs> oh, I, I was thinking, like, I never turn my ring around. What's going on? You, you're so sneaky. <laughs> I am. Okay. Uh, I just want to know if you're still recording. How much shows the show do you have left? We're still recording. We have about half the show left to do. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> we now return to your regularly scheduled program. <laughs> Already in progress. Uh, okay. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.